For all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Defense Podcast, episode 13. What's good? What's good in the hood? Uh, new week, new times, new place, new beginnings, man. We got a new president, ladies and gentlemen. We got a new president. Joe Biden's the new president of the United States-elect. Kamala Harris is the new vice president-elect. We looking good, man. We looking good. Uh, prosperity is upon us. Hope is restored, and we are looking good. Ah, uh, man, we're going to get into a lot of things today. We got a lot of things to go over. We got a bunch of NBA news, a bunch of NFL news. Uh, we got a special for the record this week. We got Charles Corner to talk about, and then we're going to wrap it up with a full quarter close-up. Uh, to preview it up, so we're going to talk about the NBA. The restart plans are official. We're going to talk about that, uh, some trade rumors, and uh, what we think free agency will start and what our concerns are about a quick turnaround. We're also going to talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about the Raiders. Uh, they got uh, f- uh, slapped on the wrist this week because of um, mishandling COVID protocols. So we'll talk about that. We'll do a quick segment on trade misses. Uh, we're going to talk about the NFL and their trade deadline. And the lackluster trades that happened uh, towards the end of the deadline, um, I think teams that are contenders missed some key options or key points that could have done. They could have gone all in on trying to improve their team and getting ready for the playoff push. Uh, so we'll go over those trades that did happen and what their debuts were like. Uh, what's we're, we'll talk about uh, Antonio Brown's debut as a Buck and what happened in the Saints game. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Tua Tagovailoa's second start uh, as a Dolphin and how they did. And we'll also go back over COVID protocols and see how we're doing as far as uh, are we getting better, we're getting worse. Like I said, we'll do for the record. We got a special segment going on there. We'll talk about Chargers Corner. We'll talk about the failures that are the Chargers right now. We'll talk about that. And then we'll wrap it up with a full quarter closeout. And we'll give out awards for Big Dummy Week, Lockdown the Fit of the Week, and uh, uh, Breakout Play of the Week. So let's get it. Let's start it. Let's go. So let's talk who's in the news. Uh, first off, let's talk about the NBA. I've got a quick uh, bullet point of two to go over with that. Uh, NBA decided this week, um, the NBA uh, Players Association and the uh, owners themselves, or the managers, governors, whatever you want to call them. I mean, they changed their names um, from being owners recently. But um, Adam Silver and company, as well as the NBA PA, decided officially to uh, restart the uh, NBA on December 22nd, a few days before Christmas. And, uh, yeah, they're going to do 72 games this year um, instead of the normal 82. Only 10-game difference. I mean, I'm not, eh. Personally, I thought he should have went with the maybe 60. You know, I mean, I, I I go back and forth about the whole 82 games thing in, in the zone, right? I think there's too, way too many basketball games to be playing. But regardless, I mean, you know, I think I think 60, 62 is probably enough in my opinion. But, um, you know, they decided to go with 72. And and I have to say that I think this is, you know, really revenue driven. I think he, he, they made no bones about the fact they would lose millions and millions and millions of dollars by not starting before the new year. Why that is, I don't know. I never got clarity on that particular uh, aspect of it, but they dad has definitely decided to go right before the new year. It's almost like you have a baby before the new year. You can claim all your taxes for the whole year. You know, I don't know. But regardless, I think they're definitely uh, rushing things. Um, like I said, the bubble and, you know, and it's all this entirety. I mean, because it took a lot out of not only the NBA itself, but the players itself and all the people that participated. You know, all the way down to the Heat and the Lakers, especially because they went all the way to the brink of end of October to get this thing done. You know, and it's just like I said, just a quick turnaround. I think you're uh, looking at it, you know, from a standpoint that you might uh, be more of a detriment than help, you know, having people that's going to, you know, turn right back around and play basketball. You know, you're risking injuries and, you know, exhaustion and things of that nature. LeBron even made a joke on his, uh, what's the shop's uh, uh, show on HBO about how you go cherry pick for the first half of the season. You know, it, you know, outside of that, you know, jokingly with that, but, you know, outside of that, I think they shouldn't have rushed it. I mean, we're in, this, we're in unprecedented times, man. I mean, 
you know, regardless of when you start, I mean, just don't make money the you know, the driving force behind all this because that you're going to, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot every time. And it's going to, it's going to damage your league. And I feel like the NFL is experiencing that, you know, they are having a, you know, I guess you can say topsy turvy weird year because, you know, a lot of people aren't playing. A lot of people getting injured, people dropping like flies, you know, between just normal injury and COVID, you know, so it's changing the game, you know, drastically, you know, things are different. I mean, I'm not sure what the ratings look like. I'm not a ratings person, but they pay attention to those things. And I'm sure they definitely ratings are different. You know, a lot of teams are, um, or fans are tuned out because their teams are just decimated. Like the 49ers are decimated, you know, the Chargers are decimated in, 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 in large part, you know, you know, quite a few other teams, you know, watch the football team, they're decimated. They lost, you know, they had another quarterback today in Kyle Allen. He, he uh, had a similar injury with Dak Prescott. Had a De- Cowboys a decimate. I mean, he can go. Let's go on and on. So, the NBA could be in the same boat. I mean, I've and I praised them in in previous you know podcasts about being smart and being safe and being practical about dealing with this virus and dealing with this pandemic and dealing with um, how they want to handle things and entertaining their fans and and you know having their players play you know within safe confines. But I think this is a rash decision. You know, I'm, I get you. Some, at some point, you got to try to get back on schedule, but. You know, even doctors and, you know, scientists have said, I mean, you know, this pandemic really probably won't have any normalcy brought back to the country until probably 2022. So you got to take that into account. You know, I mean, you can't, like I said, you can't let money be the driving force behind people's health and their well-being. You know, and I don't want to see an NBA that's got, you know, a bunch of people with tearing up legs and, you know, having soft tissue injuries and things of that nature, just like the NFL got. You know, I mean, the NBA and NFL injuries are different, you know, but they're still injuries and there's still situations where you could be out for extended periods of time you know and who wants to watch the game when you know their favorite players aren't playing and that's the biggest biggest problem with the nfl you know it's more people it's more of them in the nfl obviously but you start dropping off the the number one and two guys off each team you know for long periods of time then nobody's going to watch this though so the nba should be careful you know, I mean, I'm going to trust in the fact that they know what they're doing because they have been, you know, gotten, they've built my confidence up to this point. You know, I think they did a lot, way better job than the NFL has been doing. But I think that they should consider uh, a truncated schedule, condensed schedule, maybe even do half a season just to get, like I said, just get back on track. You know, who's going to, who's going to, who's going to, who's going to, who's going to doubt uh, even, you know, 40 something to 50 games? You know, that would, you know, allow people to rest and get their bodies back together and, you know, do those things and be, you know, you know, ready, you know, from a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint, is this uh, the mental and physical ground? It plays all plays a part of it and it it plays a part in your health. And you have to be uh, concerned about that, you know, because like I said, regardless of, you know, what you think about how much money you want to put in your pocket, you know, if you got nobody to to be on the court that was worth watching, nobody's going to pay attention. Nobody's going to tune in. Your money, your revenue is going to drop anyway. So, you know, you're looking at a double-edged sword, you know, which leads me to the situation. They haven't released the, the, the schedule yet, but they, are looking at it, um, we're at, what, mid-November, early mid-November now? We're talking, you know, a month and a half away to restarting this thing. And so you're going to rush free agency. You're going to rush the draft. You know, I mean, I mean, honestly, you know, nobody's really looking forward to the draft. I mean, it's kind of weak this year. But regardless, you know, you're not giving rookies there just do as far as getting with their teams, you know, working out in summer leagues that they have used to play in to allow them to get, you know, NBA acclimated. So that's going to hurt the rookies. You know, it's going to hurt the free agents who are coming in with new teams. They're not allowed to practice as, much, as long and they're not allowed to, you know, get things um, settled. If you're moving to a whole new city, you got to do all that in the pandemic. 
it's just wild. It's just wild. I think that they um, should have given them more time. Honestly, you should announce the date like now, but it should have been further out. That's what I should, they should have done to me. They should have announced the date and say, well, we're going to start in like February. Like, so let's say the all-star break. Let's say the all-star break, we had like an exhibition game, you know, and then, you know, it did the kick off the league and then we had the start of the league and that'd have been it. We didn't win an all-star break. We just went from February to April, May timeframe, maybe June and just played, you know, to mid July, you know, then had a draft right behind that and then went on with our normal business. Now, I know I understand the Olympics are happening and all this stuff is up supposedly, but I still, honestly, truly, I don't think the Olympics is going to happen. I don't, I really don't think it's going to happen. I think this thing is too vital still. And the only way you can truly, truly have a, uh, Olympics and all those moving parts in, you know, one particular country is that you, if you had a, a cure for this thing and you don't, and I'm not sure if that we're going to get there before the Olympics starts, you know, cause it takes a lot of preparation to get ready for Olympics too, man. And you got to take all that into account. So I don't think that's going to happen either. So I wouldn't bake my dollar on that or try to be done with the season, have a full, full enough season and, you know, be ready for the Olympics, quote unquote, you know, when that comes around, cause I don't think it's going to happen. So, you know, Adam Silver, man, I just hope you're doing the right thing. That's all I'm going to say. So there's some trade rumors going on. Um, Daryl Morley, I talked about this briefly about Adam Brand had to take a demotion. I talked about coaches last week. Uh, Daryl Morley had to take a uh, demotion. Well, Daryl Morley came in as the new GM. Elton Brand had to take a demotion. Um, so they brought him in to kind of revamp this or revitalize this front office when, from the 76ers standpoint. Um, so he, uh, I guess, you know, he didn't waste any time. You know, saying that he was gonna he's gonna uh, pursue James Harden. I'm like, mm, well, I did say the Rockets need to break up. I did say that, <laughs> you know. But lo, lo and behold, I mean, James Harden is the 76er, and the question remains: what what does that mean for the Rockets, and what does the 76 have to give up to get him? If that happened, I don't know. I mean, like I said, they got a whole new coach. You know, uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I think that ship is sailed. <laughs> I think that. They have gone as far as they're going to go together. I don't. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't like the move honestly when they did it. I don't know what the. I, I think that's what Tony's doing. I think he just wanted to play, you know, a guard heavy small ball, and he needed the guard, the dominant guards to do it, and just it just didn't work out. Obviously, that, that's like I said, that debit ideology is dated to me. They have, he had to figure out something else, so he has to coach in college or something because that that type of stuff doesn't work in the NBA. So, but regardless, I mean, James Harden. Let's just say. Let's say they gave up Ben Simmons. So you got Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and, and James Harden. That might work. That might work. I mean, you know, the thing about it is um, how would Joel Embiid be affected by this? You know, I think he needs to develop and he needs to get more mature. I think he needs to become a leader. You know, um, you know, being that he's been, a, you know, 76 for you know, a few years now, he hasn't been really fulfilling his potential, in my opinion. So, you know, with a ball dominant guard like James Harden, does that mean that, you know, Joel Embiid takes a step forward, takes a step back, does he get his touches? I mean, let's be real. I mean, James Harden's just, quote-unquote, used to being that guy and being the one that takes as many shots as he does or does not want to take, you know, and he will defer when he wants to defer. But when he wants to go, he's going to go. So does that help or hurt? You know, I, I just, you know, because I don't really see an option where you keep, you know, Tobias, Ben, Joel, and James. I, I don't care how many draft picks you give up. You're going to have to give up a player. They're going to have to get somebody. You know, I mean, what if they, and if the Rockets do that, they just really tell me right then, they'll start with Steve Silas, they're rebuilding. You know, they no longer is contender. Russell Westbrook or not, I, you know, I know, I know he's done some Herculean things about taking teams that shouldn't be in the playoffs in the playoffs. Like he did in OKC, but regardless of who they get, I don't see 
I don't see them uh, honestly and truly, you know, contending in the in the West when, especially with all those teams getting better. So you know, it's a good interesting dynamic. I mean, we'll see how uh, how much steam this grows when free agency starts, and we'll break the news about when the draft is going to be and when free agency is going to be when they ratify the schedule and they uh, officially give the date and they officially announce these days. So um, that's coming soon. But yeah, um, we just you know we got a season date, so we're just waiting for the, the particulars, and we'll we'll detail that when it comes about. So let's talk about NFL. NFL's got some different things going on too. Um, of course, like I said, the trade line deadline was you know uh, this past Tuesday, and uh, I'm kind of disappointed, man, honestly and truly. I think that they um, missed. They, I guess they, you can say they missed the boat. They threw. They they you know they definitely. You know, sat on their hands and didn't do things the way they should or have been doing them in the past when it comes to trade deadline. You know, <laughs> interesting enough, the Raiders won the news quick note <laughs> in this week because they got fined for yet again another violation of COVID protocol. So they got fined as an organization of half a million dollars. John Gruden got fined about they saying $150,000 himself as the head coach. And then they lost a sixth round pick in this year's draft. Uh, so yeah, they got a slap on the wrist for that. So that's just indicative of how messy their COVID protocols is. Across the board, team to team is just messy, and they the worst ones. Yeah, I mean, I see John Gruden take his mask off several times throughout games, you know, and it's 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 funny, almost comical to me at this point that he just keeps doing it. I just, I guess you're just not used to wearing it. I don't know, I don't know what his what his take or stance is on masks, but he can't keep his own. So yeah, he got stuff on this week. But going back to the trades, um, I think teams. Um, that, that were, you know, listed as contenders, missed a prime opportunity to get some uh, talent in uh, their organization that was going to help them. Because there, there's a key inadequacies, you know, um, that people have that will propel them to being a serious threat to, um, you know, contending for a Super Bowl. And I don't know, I don't know how, how owners and front office and GMs treat this head coaches alike to have decision-making power. I don't know how they, what their thought process is when it comes to championships, but from my sideline view, I think that you have to make a push for a title when you can, because there's no thing guaranteed each year. Things change or rearrange, and they always are different, and you're never in the same situation that you are last year as you are this year. So even if, let's just say hypothetically, you wanna, let's say the Chiefs, for instance, the Chiefs won it last year, you know, but there's no guarantees that they're going to win it this year. You know, it's just that's just fact. That's just the way things work out. They're they're one injury away from being completely out of the ball game, you know. So it's just not a it's not a thing where you just can bank on the fact that we're going to just trust the process, quote unquote, and believe that we can build towards the future and we can be good in the long run. It doesn't it doesn't work that way, you know, because sooner or later. Somebody's going to get tired of your mediocre performances. You know, like take the Packers, for instance. We'll start there. The Packers should have gone out and got their receiver. They should have gone out and got Will Fuller. They should. They could have gotten anybody off the Texans. The Texans were willing to trade anybody off their roster. Now, Will Fuller's price tag was probably the highest. They won a the first-round pick. But my thing is this. Look at your draft capital and your 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 uh, history and your track record with first-round picks in the last few years. You know, I mean, I give you credit for being more aggressive in free agency here lately with a new with changes in your front office, but you have not done well in the draft for yourselves. You're not the Chiefs and other teams that do well in the draft historically, even with mid-round picks. You're not them. You know, so let's just look at it. You drafted Jordan Love. You've traded up to get Jordan Love, who's not even even on the active roster. He's not. He's not a starting. He's not a reserve quarterback on your team right now. That's what, yeah, and that's your first-round pick. That's that's already a bust. 
That's already bust. <laughs> There's no nobody should be ever drafted in the first round and not be on the active roster. Period. Point blank. That's that that shouldn't happen. So you could have used that draft pick for instead of, you know, let's you know we're just we're just gloss over the fact that you totally whiffed on all the receivers. You had a heavy. I mean, I've never seen a draft class this heavy with receivers in my life. In forty some odd years of my living, I've never seen a draft class that heavy on receivers. They were good receivers, and you whiffed on all of them. You whiffed on all of them to give time to give. I'm gonna call him Tom Brady. Give Aaron Rodgers some help. Uh, you know, outside of being, you know, Devontae Adams being a workhorse. You know, and and this is the thing, and that's this is the issue I took. You know, this harkens back to my talks about Keenan Allen early on in his career. They milked Keenan Allen so much he got hurt. You know, two out of the three years of his first three years in the league. Right, you doing the same thing to Devontae Adams. They're the same type of guy. They're really good top end, not really speedy, but elusive and really good. You know, route runners, and you know they move the ball. You can push them down the field. They can get, they get open. It's hardly anybody they can check them one on one. But the issue is when you ride that wave too much, they get hurt. And Devontae's been in out of lineup all all the year. And, you know, and I'm not, you know, they've gotten lucky in, in certain regards where they play teams that aren't, you know, top-end teams, you know, when Devontae's been out. But you need another receiver, man. That's just it. You got Aaron Jones. You got Devontae Adams. But a team that's really good on run defense takes Aaron Jones out the, out the equation already. And if everybody gets smart enough or have a good enough corner that can limit Devontae Adams, your offense is going to struggle. You needed another receiver and you whiffed on it. So... Like I said, you could have took any of those draft picks that you piss away and traded for a receiver and been better off in the long run. Or even traded for somebody on defense. Like your defense is must leaves, leaves must be desired. So why why didn't you go out and get a receiver or somebody on defense that could have helped you? Because there was quite a few people that were available. I mean, you know, you could have spent I mean you could have spent a first round pick. I'm sure Bill Patrick would have took a first round pick with Stephon Gilmore. You know, because Jair and Kevin King and those boys that keep getting, you know, in and out a lot of being hurt. You know, having Stephon Gilmore does go brings you a long way to being able to compete against Saints teams and Tampa Bay and those you know Seattle and all those all those teams that are contenders. <laughs> you got you gotta you gotta make a move when you can make a move because tomorrow ain't promised. What let's just hypothetically say because Jordan Love is not it. Let's just hypothetically say Aaron Rodgers just decided he's fed up. He's tired of y'all, you know, not giving him you know, what he needs to compete and win titles. He decides I'm going to retire tomorrow or next the end of the season. He's done nothing this year. And now you all of a sudden you're back in, you're back from the square one and you didn't win the title when you could have, you waste, you already wasted plenty of Aaron Rodgers years already. We're not, we're not supporting him on office of end. So yet again, here we are. And if he gets fed up today, tomorrow, he, he puts those papers and say he's retired. Guess what? You're now, you're now a perennial lottery team. You pick a high in the draft from here until you find another quarterback that's going to be able to uh, be the quote-unquote caliber of Aaron Rodgers. So, Packers, you messed up. So, that, also, that leads me now to the Seahawks. The Seahawks have, they did, you know, they did help themselves a little by by getting Carlos Dunlap, um, but they still got issues overall. Now, you know, I have to really deep dive into this because it just – and I talked about this in length, you know, in the previous podcast about defensive, you know, play being porous and being very lackluster and nobody can seem to get, you know, anybody off the field, you know, from, from a defensive perspective. You just can't do it. 
You know, and I think the rules play a part in it, you know, but I think communication is an issue and I think leadership is an issue too. But, you know, Seattle's biggest problem is their defense. Their biggest problem is their defense, man. Like, ugh, you know, it's bad. It's really bad. Um, I think that they should have, you know, tried to make a splash somewhere defensively. I mean, they got maybe a corner. I mean, they, I mean, make, I mean, make a play for Stephon, maybe. You know, I don't know. I mean, you got you need you need a corner. Definitely need a corner. You got a pass rusher. You guys got one. You got a good middle linebacker. One, you know, Pro Bowl, All Pro. You know, you got a great safety. Jamal Adams came back this week. You know, but you keep giving up point after point after point, massive amounts of points to anybody. I mean, you got the Clemson could come in here with Trevor Lawrence today or tomorrow, put all points on y'all. I think that's the key. I think that's the deal. So you're not gonna go anywhere again if you can't stop nobody. Because if you looked at the game today, Russell Wilson was quite pedestrian, you know, and he looked bad. And he's and as and it's to me, this is what keeps him and Aaron Rodgers out of the MVP conversations because at the end of the season, because they have these type of games where they just they're mediocre. You know, and they just can't make, you know, you know, magic happen. They can't turn water on the wine. Let's just be real. They just can't turn, they can't do it that day. They don't have the magic that day. They don't have the wand that they can just have these magical performances and dig their teams out of these holes that they just keep putting them in. So you need to get them boys some help, you know, because I think right now, if I had to bet on it right now, I think the Packers going to squander the opportunity to get beat in the playoffs. And I think the, the Seahawks going to do the same thing. You know, I mean, they have to face each other. Somebody got to win. But regardless, I mean, at some point down the line, first, second, third round, they're going to get beat. Just off the strength that they don't have a second receiver for the Packers and their, their defense is complete and utter trash in Seattle. So you missed opportunities to make it to bolster your team and get go all in on trying to win a title because your window is always short. You know, they used to be where your window for championships was two to three years. Now it was one. It's one like you. It's year to year. It's different. Year to year is different. You can't bank on oh, oh we gonna win it next year or we win a year after that or we get this piece we'll get this piece we'll be ready. You never know year to year what's gonna happen. And then you had you then then the world dropped the pandemic on you and made it even worse. So you can't squander these opportunities, especially when you don't do anything with what people want. If if I got a if I got a trophy sitting in my house that I don't do anything with, you know. And somebody wants it, and I can get something that I can use in, in exchange. I'm gonna give them the trophy. Hey, you can have it. I mean, it was not a you know momental trophy, just a you know regular, you know trophy that somebody gave you. Doesn't even have any marking on it. You know, it's not engraved. No, hey, your name on it, nothing. He just wanted it. it. Looks nice, shiny. Give it to me, and I'm gonna give you this in return. Something you can use. It's gonna help you get to where you want to get to. I'm gonna give him the trophy because clearly I'm not doing anything with the trophy any damn way. So why would I not? Why would I not give them the trophy? That just don't make any sense. Just don't make any sense. You got to barter. You got to barter. But I think those are the two biggest things. Two biggest things. I think the Bucks are fine, you know, overall. I mean, they – we'll talk about that in a minute about how they are up and down. I think the Saints, they with them trading for Quan Alexander will, will will help them, you know, and I think based upon their performance today, they are all right. When they're motivated. When they're healthy and motivated, I think they're all right. That that The team that played today was the team I picked to win, the, win that division. You know, so we'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, um, but the Titans, the Titans did, you know, I guess, you know, so I think that's, you know, the top four teams, and I'm just going to go with top four because I mean, the, the Cardinals are in there, maybe the Rams may be in there. I don't know who's going to make, you know, 
I don't think the Bears are in there. And I'm not even talking about the Eagles because the Eagles are just gonna be one and done in my opinion. They just don't have it. Um, they need a receiver too, but I don't. I think I made more issues than that. They can't stay healthy, and the fact that they just they need a receiver, but and their season they have never can stay healthy. But regardless, you know those top four teams. You know, I think two of them are all right, and I think those, those two are gonna fight for the title game. But I think the other two are gonna get beat by the other two teams because I think the Saints and the Bucks are gonna get to the title game and play, play each other. And I think Seattle and the Packers are gonna lose to one of those two teams based on the fact they have those weaknesses and they're gonna exploit them. So the AFC, um, <laughs> and I've been talking trash about the Bills, um, about how they've been uh, you know, not playing well. And this could be an anomaly, honestly, truly, because I did find out later, early on in the day that Josh Allen's mom, I'm sorry, not mom, but grandma passed away. So he, he was playing off of the emotional roller coaster that it was to have him having his, losing his grandmother. And he played masterful today. Like, he, it was a great game. So the Bills, you know, had a, won their game in a runaway, in my opinion. You know, so, you know, they don't have any holes, you know, per se, but I think their Achilles heel is Josh Allen. You know, him, his quarterback play is going to determine how far they go. And I'm not, outside of today, I'm not liking it. Um, but, you know, outside of that, the, the, the East is pretty much just them. Um, the Ravens, the Ravens, like I said, they got, you know, it is weird to me because I feel like the defense got worse when they got Yannick and Gakwe. <laughs> like, it, it is not the same, it's not the same, you know, dominant Ravens defense I'm used to. Um, I just, you know, I just think that by them getting Yannick was was supposed to be help their pass rush, but I, I, don't, I haven't seen him. He hasn't appeared on my stat sheet. You know, so where is he? You know, and I think he's really hurting them because he's looking at it. Um, of I'm trying to get paid. You know, I'm trying to get my payday. He hasn't gotten it yet. I, I've, I've, I left the Jags. I've been traded from the Jags, traded from the Vikings. I still ain't got my payday, and he hadn't showed up on the stat sheet. So, where you at, Yannick? But I don't know. I mean, overall, the Ravens they need a receiver too. I think their biggest whiff was a receiver. They need to go out and get themselves a receiver. Hollywood Brown, and I always, you know, talk bad about little receivers because I just don't think small, little, speedy receivers are it. Nobody outside of Tyreek Hill, you know, and it means to me Tyreek Hill is the field stretch. He's a deep threat. I think Travis Kelsey is the cog in the, in the, in the middle of that offense, in my honest opinion. You know, um, but little, speedy receivers aren't it, man. They're just not it, and you can't build around that. You know, Hollywood is a good deep threat, but you need a good, solid, sturdy, you know, number one outside receiver that can get open, that can, you know, make life easier for Lamar Jackson. They didn't do that either. I'm very surprised that they didn't try to make a move with the receivers that were, quote unquote, on trade block. You know, I mean, I don't know what they were asking for. I mean, I heard a first round pick, you know, certain certain draft capital that was um, wanted for these guys' services. But, I mean, you got to make a move. I mean, Dallas, not Dallas, but the Ravens have to – make a move and contend with the Chiefs because that's that's their biggest arch nemesis right now. That and the Steelers. The Steelers are looking like a juggernaut, you know, um, overall. I mean, they did struggle a little bit with Dallas today, but I think that they definitely are looking way better from a top-to-bottom standpoint than, than the Ravens are right now, you know. They had another receiver. I think they would have been a lot better off. They addressed the defensive issue, but I think they needed to address the offensive issue as well and get themselves a, a receiver that's going to make some plays. Um, Steelers, I think they're fine. And I think they will ultimately, you know, especially with I think the fact that they're going to probably be home for the playoffs outside of being, you know, I think because then between them and Kansas City, um, you know, one's going to be home for the duration. One's going to be home until the championship game. Um, so I think the Steelers are fine. I think as long as they don't have any big injuries, you know, you know, on either side of the ball, I think they're fine. They don't have a lot of issues. Um, 
the South. I think the Titans did themselves a service by getting Desmond King for peanuts. I mean, you know, a, a Snickers and, and two bubble gums. Uh, I still don't understand why they did that. But, you know, and he made a splash. He made a splash today. You know, he had a, with a fumble return for a touchdown. So, you know, he's, you know, comfortable. He seemed happy, too. Like, he was out there dancing. He was Q-stepping a day before the game, and he was having a good old time. So, I guess he's happier where he is. But regardless, I mean, he's he's doing better for themselves. I just want to look. I'm attracted with how the defense has improved. Because the defense, although the talent-wise, the defense is amazing to me. But why are they being uh, mediocre is my question. I don't know why that is. I'm very curious about that. That's very puzzling to me. But I think with Desmond being Desmond being in, in Tennessee now, it'll help them. And we'll see how the defense plays as they step up their game and will they be able to, um, you know, get more stops and beat more dominant on defense um, with their new additions. You know, so I, I, I mean, you know, and I think that the Titans of all people have done the best job. Now I'm reviewing this. That they have gone out and gotten pieces that they feel like they will help them get to the next level. You know, they've only, to me, the only team that's done a, a really good job. They went out and got David Conley right before the season. Then they turned around and got Desmond King. You know, they feel like they need another corner. They got a pass rusher. Offensive line is straight. You know, they got a good running back, good quarterback, good two good receivers, good tight end. They are good. They're good. It's just a question of, you know, I, mean, I think where they play matters, but, you know, how they, how they going to fare against the Steelers and the Chiefs? That's the question. And I think they were trying to build themselves up enough to be able to compete. You know, because they have to play ball control offense against both of those teams. But if they can do that and they can get stops, then they'll they'll have a good shot of beating those teams. So they did a good job. I give Tennessee credit. I think they did. The, they got they get an A for effort as far as you know trying to build themselves up to be able to make a run right now because they know the window is small. They recognize the urgency of the matter and of the situation. So yeah, I mean, outside of that, I mean, you know, I think the Chiefs are fine. I mean, they just. It's the offense is too scary, man. <laughs> like their biggest problem, their offense is their defense. Like it's just too scary. Like I, I literally watched, you know, them play today, and I'm and I was saying to myself, I said, teams make different decisions when they play them versus how they play other teams. Like you know how you when you go for things on fourth down and when you make decisions from a time management perspective, you know it's different because you feel like we're not gonna be able to stop them on offense. So. You know, when they're all offense, we're not going to be able to stop them. So we have to keep pace with them. And that's what they try to do. And they just can't, they just fail. The Panthers made a valiant effort. I mean, there was a 67 yard kick away from, from winning. But yet again, you have to keep pace. And they made different decisions that they probably wouldn't normally make because they were facing Chiefs. And that puts people in a quandary. So, you know, I think, you know, a favorite for me, like I said, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Bucks and the Steelers right now, you know, the four, you know, four teams that are, I think right now probably be in the title game, you know, with outside, you know, honorable mention to the Titans, maybe. I don't know where the Ravens going to land. I honestly don't know because I'm a little concerned about their identity right now because you can't, you can't go without passing the ball and they haven't been passing the ball well in these past few weeks. They've been running the ball great. Lamar's been fine running the ball. So is all the running back. J.K. Dallas coming to his own, but I don't think the Ravens are going to be able to do because you can't – if you ever get behind, you can't run the ball. That's the problem. If you can't pass the ball effectively and, and, and consistently, then you're going to have issues. And that's the problem. That's the problem the Ravens have right now. So I think they're, they're the – you know, they're the fourth team in the, in, the, in, the, in, the West, in the AFC right now. So we'll see how it shakes out, man. You know, but I think that uh, that's going to be an interesting issue that it's going to come down with. I think those are my top four teams right now. So 
But um, we'll see. But I think those overall trade misses, I think that they definitely had issues there. Yeah. So quickly, we're going to talk about uh, uh, AB's uh, debut in the Bucks debacle against the Saints today. Oh, man, I didn't see that coming at all. I just knew the Bucks were going to win this game split with them Saints. You know, and, and I give Sean Payne credit. He was real sneaky and real, real uh, shaky about who was going to play. Because at one point, Michael Thomas and Ray Sanders were out in this game. And they decided at the very last minute to activate him. Uh, right. So that put yeah, puts you in a different mind space from a game perspective and a scouting perspective. Because you're like, okay, now they're playing. So now we got to worry about them on top of everything else. And Kamara and, you know, Drew Brees in the short passing game. Man, they ran over the Bucks today, boy. Whew. Oh man, I didn't see it happening. I didn't see it happening. We're talking. Oh, we're talking. Uh, it was ugly. I mean, ooey. I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean, they beat them every which way but loose. Thirty-eight to three. <laughs> and they probably could. They, I think they took the foot off the gas. They could probably could have been worse. It probably could have been worse. I mean, and that begs the questions for me that. Because they beat them so bad and so handily and so dominantly, right? That that you know, and they took the series season, the season series away from them. They swept them. So that begs the question for Tampa Bay: Is this is 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 all the weapons you have too many? Is this adding a B was it too much? I think it has. I think it was. I think there is an issue now where Tom Brady has to try to keep everybody happy, and too much talent. You know, all that talent is too much talent. You know, I think that might be the issue. You know, I think that they are, are really hard-pressed to try to, you know, move the ball around and spread the love, and that's affecting their offense. You know, we'll see how it ha- what happens next week and the week after that, you know, once they start to, you know, really get um, together with each other and practice week to week and started to, you know, develop some more cohesion with that added piece with A.B. being there. But, man, they look bad. You know, I mean, the Saints pass rush didn't help anything. They were after Tom Brady early and often, and everybody knows that Tom Brady don't like to be touched. So when you touch him, when you get to him early, guess what? He gets rattled. He doesn't. He's can't. He ain't comfortable. And man, it gets it gets ugly fast. And I don't know what happened to their defense today. Their defense, whoosh, their defense look like look like the Chargers defense. <laughs> you know, he just give a point at the point at the point and they look they they look confused today. It's the first time I see them look confused today. It was bad. It was bad. I don't understand how they look confused today. I mean Levante David on several occasions was calling, you know, for people to adjust on on defense and nobody moved. Nobody moving. They got gashed for plays. They got gashed for plays. And I'm like, that shouldn't happen against a team a team that's this you know high powered you know it, it should happen it should not happen you know so i'm thinking like hey man y'all gotta figure that out you know did they have y'all that flustered you know to the point where y'all just didn't know what y'all were doing you know your signal was off and your, you know your communication was bad i mean they just made y'all look like a high school team today so uh yeah they took a step back you know and tom brady threw three picks today that was the first time i've seen that in forever 3.8 qbr jesus <laughs> Man, so does AB mean that the team goes down the train, or does they get it, or they fix it and get it right? That is the question. I'm I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical, you know. And you know, if if he really is is the, is the issue, I mean, he had three catches for 31 yards a day. But if he's really the issue, you know, do do they cut him? Not necessarily because he's 
you know, being a, a, a you know a negative influence. He just the simple fact that he's messing with the cohesion and camaraderie. You know, I mean, was I? You know, honestly, true. I mean, regardless, they lost OJ Howard tonight. I think them having Gronk, two good outside receivers. You in a way, and even even Bray is a good a good tight end. So my thing is this: you are you yeah two, yeah two good running backs. You're in a way better position weapon wise than anybody else in the league already. So adding Antonio Brown, you know. It was a depth move, yeah, because you're Godwin and, and Evans kept keep coming in and out of lineup. But if they're healthy, <laughs> you don't need them, you know. So that might be the issue. So we're gonna watch it, man. Keep 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 a lookout for that. You know, see how that offense progresses or regresses because Antonio Brown's there. He might be messing with the messing with the mojo in Tampa Bay. So yeah. So I mean, you know, we'll we'll see how it works out. But I'm concerned about that. So, you know, lastly, we'll talk about uh, Tua and uh, his debut. And somebody explain to me. I mean, help me out, please. I'm, I'm struggling with this. How are the Miami Dolphins winning games? <laughs> like, please, somebody, somebody help me understand how these guys are winning games. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, they, they, it was a tight one. It was a tight one with the Cardinals today. It was a tight one. You know, Kyler Murray and Tua definitely dueled it out today. But, what I mean, what happened in the last several weeks? These the team of the Miami Dolphins is five and three. I've never thought I would say that. Like I really thought I would never say that this year. I didn't. I mean, granted, it's their defense. You just helping them out. You know, they defense has been putting up points on top of everything else. Like Shaq Lawson had a had a fumble recovery today. He took it to the house. You know, but they they moved the ball on offense today. I mean, way better than they did in the first game Tua was there. I mean, Tua was 20 or 28, 248 with two touchdowns. He had seven rushes for 35 yards. He was almost their leading rusher today. So, I mean, Calamari had 106 yards on the ground. So, I mean, hell, you know, um, but I mean, they duked it out. I mean, they don't get me, don't get it twisted. They duked it out. I give him credit. For, I give him credit where credit's due. He didn't, you know, he looked, he looked way better he did this week than he did last week. I give him credit for that. But I'm just trying to understand how they win the games. I'm just trying to understand. You know, nobody nobody pitulated this. You know, now he fixed the charges this week, and they're probably going to beat them too. But regardless, you know, I'm just befuddled. You know, when what happens if the Miami Dolphins make the playoffs? What happens? What happens with that? Like, and what and what type of noise do they make? Because nobody projected this. Nobody projected it. So let's watch out for them. Let's watch off on them. I mean, the Dolphins are making noise with Fitz or without Fitz. It is two, it, and it's two of their guy. I mean, this week's two definitely looks like their guy. Last week's two didn't look like it. This week's two was looking like their guy. Now. And him having to face the Chargers next week is even better for him. They do, our defense is terrible. So he's going to pick them apart too. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we are going to have a good two out of three weeks. We'll have a good two talk. So, um, more comedy builds and the better the record they have, they're gonna be probably be six and three next week by the time we talk about this. So they looking at like a wild card team. Hate to say it, looking like a wild card team though. You know them and the Raiders fighting, they fighting. So um, but yeah, I mean I just, before we wrap this up, we're gonna go over uh, COVID again. Uh, we had another couple of teams added to the list. I think the Packers and the Lions had new cases this week. Um, so that brings the grand total up to more than half of the NFL that's have either COVID cases, current COVID cases, or they've had COVID in their organization. So we got the Falcons, the Chiefs, the Cardinals, the Panthers, the 49ers, the Pats, the Colts, the Titans, the Jets, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Bills, the Texans, the Chargers, the Packers, and the Lions. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's rough. 
Rough. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So yeah, 15, almost 16 teams. So yeah, we had a mark, halfway mark. Oh, let's pray on it. Let's just pray on it. But yeah, but that's going to wrap up who's in the news, man. We all stay tuned for For the Records, the Lockdown Davis podcast. So let's talk for the record. It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Uh, I want to do something different today. Um, normally, you know, we do hot uh, button topics and, you know, uh, things that are bothersome issues for me and, you know, things that are going on in the sports world that are, uh, you know, issues that need to be addressed, you know, coaching differences, firings, hirings, you know, all the good stuff. But uh, this, this week, man, we had something different happen this week. Um, we had a new president. Uh, Joe Biden is now the president-elect of the United States, and I want to thank everybody for voting. Um, voting interest and voting um, in large and the most uh, votes ever counted in history of the presidency. Um, over 150 million votes were counted. Uh, 75 million went to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And uh, unfortunately, um, and this is disturbing for me a little bit, that 70 million still have gone to Donald Trump, um, You know, which tells you that the country's still not completely uh, uncomfortable with the idea of having a racist and oppressive society. So, um, with that being said, I just hope that um, you know this election and this particular selection of president will spark the change we need. And I think we're you know it's the mood to be encouraged. I think it's a move to be encouraged in the fact that you know we have a lot of progressives people in Congress now, a lot of progressive people. Um, in the leadership roles, um, you know, and speaking directly towards the, you know, movement with, you know, he spearheaded by Kamala Harris, in my opinion. Um, Kamala Harris is now the vice president-elect. Uh, Stacey Abrams, you know, spearheaded the movement that's flipped Georgia, and Georgia hadn't been blue since 92. That was definitely a great win, a great uh, effort by her in flipping that state. Uh, you know, AOC, uh, Congressman Omar, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi, and a lot of women, Maxine Waters, you know, a lot of women in this particular uh, leadership uh, entity that's going to be uh, making decisions for the you know, next two to four years at least, um, hopefully more. You know, so I definitely applaud everybody's effort and hard work um, in, in speaking your voice as far as, you know, how things go um, in this country. You know, all things don't always go the right way, as we saw in the last four years. You know, but um, I just hope that you know, we can do something about that 70 million that still feel that a racist president in a racist society is com- is a comfortable and suce- acceptable thing in this country and it's, it's absolutely positively not you know you can't you can't have ideologies and only apply to certain people you know it, this country is not built on certain people or one kind of people it's built on a myriad of different races creeds colors ethnicities so on and so forth so it has to be uh all-inclusive society in order for us to get anywhere and I hope, I'm hoping that we're going to step in the right direction. I think that we are charged to hold uh, these administrators in, a, you know, accountable for all the promises that they make. You know, it's time to stop doing, giving me lip service and time for action. And I think they understand the climate of this because it wasn't it for if it wasn't for 
the uh, African American people of color's vote this year, it wouldn't they wouldn't have been made possible. So I think they understand that they have to address those things, and they have to you know stand up and and face the music and understand that they need to do things for people that support them, you know, and just and just being a fair and just society, you know, and being all inclusive. So I'm definitely encouraged by that, and I'm definitely you know grateful that we definitely have changed this regime and hopefully we can look forward to better days because 2020 is the cusp of that end of that reign of, of terror that was the administration under Trump uh, was the worst at its end. 2020 was the worst year of all, you know, and I got the quote with Ross in this particular situation, you know, he said he was happy Donald Trump became the president because you got to destroy before you elevate. And I think he was right, man. You know, I kind of shook my head when he made a statement in that album, but it may hell was true. You know, Donald Trump literally destroyed the people's mindset of being comfortable with, you know, Republican racist ideology. You know, and I'm not saying that Republicans are racist in, you know, as a whole, you know, but that particular ideology and that rhetoric that he was spewing, it, you know, people are trying to put that to bed. And I think he destroyed the ability for people to uh, be comfortable or just turn a blind eye or be apathetic to the point of it being in leadership, you know, and I hopefully it will continue to change for the better and get better and better as years go on. And hopefully my children and my children's children will be in a way better society than we grew up in. So that being said, man, I think that, you know, the NBA's, you know, initiatives and their uh, movement and their uh, stance on these in injustice issues and social, their social, you know, gripes and the issues they had with this president and the administration and what's going on in this country with police and things of that nature, you know, it has been answered. I think that we are taking a big step in the right direction and all that work wasn't in vain. And I applaud LeBron and the rest of the NBA, you know, for spearheading that movement and being honest and forthright with what's wrong with this country and not, you know, kowtowing to the idea, the fact that, you know, it's not their fight. So I, I applaud them and I applaud Colin Kaepernick of all people, you know, for being a martyr in a sense and spearheading this wake awakening in a movement that will hopefully spark ultimate and complete and permanent change in this country. And I think that we are definitely doing things in the right direction. You know, and all that work and the sacrifice that everybody has made up to this point from early slavery times until now is starting to, you know, reap the benefits. I'll say that, starting to reap the benefits. So I applaud everybody that voted. I applaud everybody that's been speaking up against any injustices against their people or people as a whole. You know, being all-inclusive, being empathetic to people, no matter who you look like or how you are dressed, how you, what color your skin is, anything that is trivial and shouldn't matter. You know, only thing that should matter is you being a human being. So I applaud everybody's efforts and I thank you deeply that you stood up and you did your civic duties and understand the climate of the situation and didn't take it for granted. But the work isn't done. The work is definitely not done. And I want to urge everybody to understand that we need to hold these politicians accountable in keeping their promises. On top of the fact that keep electing people that are going to do right for you and don't 
fall asleep because this would happen the last time. We had eight years of Barack Obama. People fell asleep and weren't comfortable exactly with what was presented to them, and they didn't vote. And we and the end result was him in office because you, as you can see, if you paid attention to CNN and all the coverage has been in the election in the past week, that if you fall asleep, people are dedicated to red in a lot of the areas in this country. If you if you fall asleep and don't do your civic duty, they will be back in power, and we don't want that. So, you know, as long as they support, and you know, and let me be clear, I'm not going. I'm not just. I don't want to seem as if I'm just totally against anybody that's a Republican. I'm not. You know, if you're a progressive person and you're an all inclusive person, and you're not a you know under the system of trickle down economics and you know breaks for the rich and 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 stymie the poor. I'm I'm fine with you. If you if you have, you know, crossed the line ideologies and you are all inclusive and you're about equality and fair fairness, I'm all for you. But, you know, far too often, you know, especially with this Trump regime, they don't have that ideology and it's put a sour potatoes in a lot of people's mouths. So those people, you know, and there's a few out there, I don't get me wrong. You know, I mean the late, you know, John McCain, you know, Mitt Romney in certain regards, you know, Chris Christie in certain regards, you know, they've had, you know, you know, toting the line ideology. They weren't far Republican in, in that trickle down economic thought process. But in the same vein, you know, like I said, if you are for the people, I'm for you. You know, it doesn't matter, I mean, what your color of your Democratic Party or your your Republic your political party is, let me say it that way. It just matters what what your views are. You know, so hopefully we can, you know, start to heal. It just as Joe Biden alluded to in his speech, and we can really start to understand that we can get better and 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 move forward together as a country. So I applaud everybody's efforts and, and their um and their promise to to do their duty and get out there and vote and understand that you know stay involved and stay engaged. Don't just you know go to sleep and understand that you are you know, involved in, you know, the primary elections, you know, the two years for congressmen and the general election for president in the next four years, all those good things. Stay involved and stay engaged and understand what's going on. And, you know, we can keep the right people in office and this country can change for the for the better and for the good. So I applaud everybody for doing their civic duty and I appreciate everybody's support and hopefully we can uh, get better as a country. You know, everybody that's, that's an athlete, Colin Kaepernick, LeBron James, Everybody, you know, Eric Reed, everybody that's taking a knee or throwing a fist up or putting things on their body that, you know, spewed out the uh, fact that we're not going to keep putting up with oppressive society. I applaud you and I appreciate everybody that did this civic duty, man. So that's going to wrap up for the record. Stay tuned for Chargers Corners, the Lockdown Davis podcast. So let's talk Chargers Corner. It's the Lockdown Defense Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Uh, yeah, man, um, I hate to say this, but uh, the Chargers Corner segments aren't uh, got to be a whole lot of positivity going on right now. Um, I mean, we'll just cover the news, you know, because it's getting really difficult to 
finding the optimism when it comes to this team, honestly and truly. It really is. I mean, you know, and um, what we're going to discuss first and foremost before we review the Raiders game is what's wrong with the Chargers. Um, a lot of things. A lot of things are wrong. I mean, I think, you know, in past years, you know, um, dating back to, you know, far as I can remember as being a Chargers fan, you know, the Drew, early Drew Brees years, LT years, um, you know, and uh, Philip River years, and now just a Herbert year. Um, you know, it's always been an issue of personnel in certain regards. Like, we've had one or two teams, you know, in the 2000s that were dominant on both sides of the ball. We had a dominant running game with a solid, core, you know, solid, good couple of receivers at a great Hall of Fame tight end. Um, great defense, you know, and, you know, Marty Schottenheimer's, you know, Marshawn Hammer led teams and things of that nature, right? But the issue, you know, has been personnel, you know, for the most part, you know, not having th that one guy that was going to take you over the hump, you know. Um, it, you know, and it started with Drew Brees getting hurt and tearing up his shoulder. Um, so, you know, that put him, uh, and he was in a contract year. So that led to us drafting Philip Rivers, uh, you know, and that, you know, ushered in a new era. You know, I mean, he was pretty much a game manager while Damon Thomas was there because, you know, we were really running a heavy team, which it worked. I mean, especially that day and time and that type in the NFL, it worked. You know, we definitely we got things done on the ground and we had, you know, we had timely passing moments. You know, Vincent Jackson and Malcolm Floyd and those guys were getting it done. I mean, nice tall range of receivers, you know. I mean, good guys. You know, they you know they can go up and get you a jump ball you know and you know they're gonna they're gonna stretch the field you know especially Jameson Jackson they can stretch the field you know so it, it worked it worked you know uh, we had a lot of success you know you know constant playoffs and things of that nature then you know I think I've alluded to this before you know it started to shift you know once we we changed around coaches you know quite a few times you know we had an issue with Marty Marty left and you know I thought that was premature you know and. Uh, Going back to you know Damon Thomas, the first year of having a major injury, you know, and that and that started the injury era, in my opinion. Um, it's one of those things where you know it's. I mean, clearly you can't blame Damon Thomas' injury on the fact that the team was just injury riddled in, in its own right, but something shifted in the way people, you know, scout or review or something i mean I, I can't put my finger on exactly what the issue is but since LeDamon thompson got hurt and subsequently left san diego slash la right we've had an issue with injuries you know um it started with personnel you know and then it moved on to injuries like we started to fix the personnel issues we started to draft better you know we started to pick up people in the free agency a little better we had we still hadn't been really really good in free agency in, in the entire length of our existence and me me and the existence of being a charges man for real we hadn't been really good at that. The issue was the first year that I really and truly was impressed with the free agency moves that we made. Now, granted, they hadn't panned out because all of them are hurt. <laughs> Every everybody outside of Linville Joseph that we picked up in free agency is hurt. Brian Balaga can't stay on the field. Trey Turner can't stay on the field. Uh, Chris Harris is hurt. So everybody we picked up that's a major name, they, nobody but Linville Joseph can stay on the field. Nobody. And he's the most gritty and you know grimy person outside of the lineman. You know he's in the trenches every day, every play. He's healthy, but everybody else is hurt. Can't stay on the field. So <laughs> that begs the question, like I said, what's wrong with the Chargers right now? You know, because we're still dealing, you know, because I, I would definitely give, the, you know, the GM credit because we have, you know, we had some issues. I mean, the GM we had prior to Tom Telesco was horrible. 
It was horrible from a personnel stand, management standpoint. Horrible with contracts. Horrible with signing people that he should have kept. Let people walk out the door when they should have stayed. He's horrible. Horrible guy. You know, dealing with that for years. Santosco came in with a whole different ballgame. And I give the Spanos fan credit for recognizing that issue. It took them a long time to recognize it. But once they recognized it, they got a good guy. You know, they paying people they need to pay. They they keeping the people they need to keep. And they're drafting the people they need to draft. You know, the only issue is, is that for some reason, you know, from whatever, you know, you can divulge as being the corporate, nobody can stay healthy. Nobody. Listen, we've hadn't had a, a, the same lineup or healthy lineup for two weeks in a row in, since I can remember, you know. So that is, the issue right now is injuries. Injuries and, and lack of focus and discipline. That's the big problem. That's a big problem. That's been a big problem for the last three, two or three years. You know, having miscues and mishaps and and elementary issues that cost us games. You know, we've I think we're up to about sixteen games now over the course of the last two seasons that we've with it's been one score games that we've all lost. Just think about if you turn all those games around, you have you have two playoff caliber runs. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. And to me, it's all going to fall on the head of Anthony Lynn. Because at some point, and I know this because I played the game and I've coached the game, at some point, the coach has to lead and he has to figure how to get the best out of his players and figure out how to keep people from doing the things that they're doing. You have to save certain people from themselves. You know, because getting holding penalties at key moments – Fumbling the ball at key moments, muffing punts at key moments, not catching passes at key moments. It's all focus. It's all focus and discipline. It's one to. And if you don't buy in truly and have it in your heart, a heart and mind, a mind that you want to do this and want to play ball and be a winner, then that falls on the head coach. It does. It really just basically it really boils down to leadership, man. Leadership is the biggest issue on the field and off the field. You know, you have a rookie quarterback, right? So he's not your leader, right? He's he's doing his job. He's doing a damn good job of playing quarterback, but he's not your leader. Somebody on offense has to be a leader, you know. You know, Philip Rivers is gone. He was the leader, you know. Honestly, truly, if we had Philip Rivers' leadership skills and Justin Herbert's body, we'd be perfect. We'd be perfect because – Phillip Rivers, one of the strongest of arm quarterbacks, nor was he a mobile quarterback. So he gave us issues, you know, from playing quarterback because he couldn't move. And we, our line was terrible, you know, in its own right. So you can't protect him, you know, so he just had to go. I mean, it's just a bad look. I hate to say it, but he was just, it's just a bad look, you know. But he's a great leader. I give Phillip Rivers all the credit in the world for being a great leader. He can galvanize the troops. He got a lot more out of our offenses that he's been – Ahead of in the, in the past, what eight or nine years that he's been the man in the Chargers organization, then they then most people should have. I give him credit for that. But you don't you don't have any leaders on the offense. You know, Ken Allen. You know, you know. I, I have to say, a lineman or quarterback or a running back probably has to be the leader because because I think the wide receivers are really radically codependent on the quarterback, so it's hard for them to be that vocal person. You know, it's hard for that. You know, but Keenan Allen's the closest guy you got to that. You know, I think he's a good player, but I mean, he's a, he has leadership issues. I don't think he's a big a big time leader. You know, Austin Lager is 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 a friendly guy. He's not a real big. He's not a big time leader, in my opinion. You lack leadership on offense. You know, 
defense is young, and I think the Derwin, honestly, truly, I think Derwin James would have been that leader, and that guy, but he's hurt. He's not there. So that's issue two. You got young guys that are trying to make their way. Kenneth Murray having beef with Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn took him out of the game today because he had communication issues, whatever that means. You know, you know, Kenneth Murray can he has the ability to be a leader, but he's young. You know, and I think they 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 kind of missed the boat a little bit by letting Thomas Davis go. You know, or somebody that's a really wily veteran, been in the league a long time, that can mentor Kenneth Murray. I think that's the only thing they did, did did him to service with, not keeping a good leader, a good mentor like they had with Drew Tranquil last year. Drew Tranquil took leaps and bounds under Thomas Davis last year because he was able to learn from a veteran. So that's the only thing you didn't do for Kenneth Murray that you should have done, bringing, bringing in a veteran that could honestly and truly lead him in, in, in the ways of playing linebacker in this, in this league and having Derwin on the back end. That's the biggest problem. So if you don't have leadership on the field and your head coach is not leading in a proper way, making the proper decisions when it when the times are right and keeping people disciplined, you know, on the field, that's the big problem. And I feel like sooner or later, maybe not this year, but definitely next year, if we have the same issues, they're definitely going to be out of there, man. You know, because he's not galvanizing the troops. That's just the point, bottom line. That's just the bottom line. And that leads me to the Raiders game today. Like, like we had prime prime opportunities to win the game in, in different facets, different facets. But you had a, a muff kick when you getting the ball, you're getting the ball back down three, right? Well, less than three, actually down two. You get the ball back down two, right? You punt the ball to us. <laughs> the kick returner. I'm not even gonna say his name because I'm a little upset with him right now. The kick returner, who's a rookie, muffs the punt and the Raiders get it back and they kick a field goal and make them go up five, right? Still get the ball back, still have time, right? Still, you know, plenty of time on the clock, right? Drive the ball down the field, you know, a holding penalty here, there, you know, a couple of penalties on the drive, but we still overcame it, right? Get all, we get all the way down until in the red zone. Justin Herbert throws a fade to Michael, Michael Williams, in the corner of his own, a catch he's made in his sleep, he drops it and getting quote unquote gets hurt. I think with more of his pride being hurt than anything, because he knew he had that ball in his hand, he could have won the game and he didn't come down with it. Then we throw the ball to our six eight reserve tight end and Donald Parham, and he drops the ball. Looked like he caught it, but it hit the ground as he tried to cradle it. He didn't catch it, and we lose the game. Will and desire, will and desire, you know. If you are if you are the proper leader, people will run through through brick walls for you. But if you're not, and they don't truly believe in you, then you'll have issues like this. And I don't. I just don't think the team believes in Anthony Lynn, and I think it's part of the reason why Desmond King is gone, and they got rid of him for this, you know, a dollar store sandwich, you know. But it's. I think leadership is the biggest problem from the coaches. You know, because I mean, you have a lot of unproven, you know, coaches. I mean, Shane Steinke is a new offensive coordinator. He's brand new. He's a, his first time being OC. He used to be a position coach. Gus Bradley is is getting old, dated, and he doesn't have a whole lot to work with on defense. But not that it matters because outside of having that, you know, Herculean defense that he had in Seattle, he hadn't had much success. You know, but you know, Pep Helmets is probably the only person I really give him credit for as far as being you know, a valuable coach because he definitely has gotten all he could and then some out of Justin Herbert. And, and I feel like it's going to hurt him. You know, I really feel like he should be rookie of the year, you know, with the numbers he's been putting up. But I think he, his our overall performance and record is going to hurt 
him down the stretch. And I think Joe Burrow might win it, you know, because I think they're going to have a slightly better record than us. I think down the stretch because we're getting worse, not better. I think we, we're following our face, and I think at this point we're going to be picking high in the draft again. You know, it just don't happen. We don't need a quarterback. We just we need some other things. You need know other things bad. So I, I think that's the issue, man. You know, like I said, the Raiders game was terrible. And, you know, we got the Dolphins coming in next week who are playing really good football right now, surprisingly. I mean, it's just – that's indicative of what 2020 is, man. It's just been a, it's been a crazy year because you got – I'm talking about the Dolphins being a particular – being a possible playoff team, you know. And they're and they going to run they gonna run over us. I, I just know it. I just know it. I'm definitely picking the Dolphins to beat us. And I just hope Justin Herbert plays well as he's been doing consistently, been playing well, and you can't blame it on him. That's just it. Like I said, the injuries are bad. You know, Joey Bosa was out this week. Hopefully he comes back next week out of concussion protocol and – you know, um, we have a better pass rush this year, this week. And I think Jerry Tilly did a great job in his in his reserve role. But um, and I think he's taking leaps this year, uh, you know, being the first round draft pick from last year. He's taking pretty good leaps. But outside of that, man, it's it's rough. It's rough. And I'm going to watch out with Anthony has said about Kevin Murray because Kevin Murray needs to be on the field. He's our best linebacker. So that's going to wrap it up, man. That's going to be Charles Corner. We'll talk about it again next week. We'll see what they do against the Dolphins. I mean, will they surprise me and beat them? I doubt it. But we'll see. It's the Charge Corner. Stay tuned for the four quarter clause. I was the Lockdown Davis Podcast. And also the fourth quarter close, I was the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast to this duration. Um, also, like I said, we can check us out every week, Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Our podcast goes live, and it goes live in the evening on uh, Spotify and all your podcasts or local outlets, Anchor and, and other ways. So, so you want to check them out in their locations, please do so. Uh, like, comment, subscribe on my YouTube channel as always. Um, and we go live with our weekly recaps on Friday. It's 11 a.m. and Sunday's our weekly picks on at, on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. So check those videos out as well. So let's get into these awards, man. Let's talk about uh, Breakout Players of the Week, Lockdown Defender Week, and Big W of the Week. So let's get it, man. Let's get it. All right. So interesting week in, in, in sports. I mean, you know, in the NFL. Um, we had some <laughs> repeaters. We had some, uh, you know, Definitely uh, all-around performances here. Um, start with the breakout players of the week. We're going to start with Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Um, Hard-pressed. I mean, I really wanted to give it to Josh Allen and a couple other people for having great performances. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was just way too efficient to not to give it to him this week. I mean, we're talking about a 98.8 QBR out of 100. I mean, what you can't deny a man with a, with a QBR that high. You know, I mean, I think he might have missed four passes in the entire game. 305 passes and four touchdowns, no picks. I mean, perfect performance. I mean, if he can do that every week, they shouldn't lose. You know, regardless of what their defense does, they shouldn't lose. But, you know, we'll see what happens with the, with the Packers down the stretch. But they definitely uh, putting in work. I mean, it was against a beating up 49ers team. But regardless, you got to still – you got to stay efficient regardless of who you're playing. And that was good. That was a good performance. And back-to-back weeks, we got Mr. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook put, in the, put up an even better performance this week against uh, – 
Uh, what who did they play this week? I want to say they played uh, they played the Packers this week. I was thinking about that game because he he definitely beat the Packers, you know, by himself. But this week, you know, I think you know, it, I think they really just miss him. You know, it's one of those things where if he's in the lineup, they got a shot at winning every game. But if he's not in the lineup, it's a whole different dynamic because they definitely struggle in with him out the lineup. Him being hurt those few weeks, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> 200, 200 yards on the ground. 200 yards on the ground. I mean, come on. I mean, it, and it looks easy. It looks easy for him. You know, I mean, yes, they were playing the Lions. I get it. They were playing the Lions. But still, 20 carries on two, 26 yards. It's like 10 yards a carry. Two touchdowns. He had two receptions for 46 yards receiving as well. So he's the dual threat all day long. So he gets back-to-back breakout players of the week, obviously. Now, mind you, now had he been playing the whole entire season, putting up these type of numbers, you would definitely be talking about MVP performances here and then they're running for MVP. But, um, you know, he did get hurt, so he probably disqualifies him for being missing those games. But definitely balling right now, and they definitely need him, and they might start winning more and more games on the stretch. And who knows what happens at the end of the season. Yeah, so with all down the field of the week, is Mr. Tremaine Edmonds. He had a great performance against the Seahawks this week. 11 total tackles, 8 solos. He had a sack. He had two tackles for loss. He had a pass breakup and a QB hit. So, yeah, I would like to say that that's definitely – stuffing the stat sheet from a middle linebacker perspective. And I feel like that's two weeks in a row. We've had middle linebackers have had great performances. Now, these will be, you know, tacklers and cover guys, and they're doing it all. Rushing the passer, getting in the backfield, making tackles for losses, you know, and, you know, making, you know, quite a few tackles, you know, to say the least, you know. So, I mean, hey, man, got to give it up, man. Got to get up. So, for Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook, and Tremaine Edmonds, you get the awards for the week for breakout player and lockdown and of the week. I'm the big dummy of the week. Now, I got to do it. I got to do it. I mean, it's just it's just negligence, you know, in this particular case that has to uh, be said, has to be reported. The, the loss, oh, great call to Oakland. The Las Vegas Raiders uh, got fined again this week, and uh, it was really hefty <laughs> at this point. The league fined this organization $500,000, 500000 thousand dollars how half a million dollars in fines from the organization john gruden himself got a hundred fifty thousand dollar fine and uh, they got stripped of their sixth round pick for violating again covid protocol now I- i'm still kind of fuzzy on what john gruden's motive was because he-, he lied about trent brown's diagnosis um i guess they try to rush him back um and try to make him uh available for uh play when he was still under covid protocol so, uh, yeah, that's my thought. I mean, outside of that, because he ended up back on the COVID restriction list after they took him off. So, but so it sounds like they took him off prematurely. You know, I could be wrong. Or I don't know what scheme or sneaky, you know, situation that John Gruden was trying to pull. But regardless, you got busted. <laughs> and yeah, you, you lost the draft pick. Trent Brown's still out. I mean, it didn't matter because he still beat the charges. But regardless, you know, you have to do better. And it really really makes the NFL look bad. I already, I've been bashing them already about the fact that they've been, you know, really negligent and really uh, porous and really, uh, what's the word we want to use, um, you know, irresponsible, that's it, irresponsible about how they've been handling COVID as it is. You know, over half the NFL teams either have a case or currently have cases in the organization right now. So, you know, when the NBA didn't have a case at all throughout the whole entire playoff, so... Regardless of the case, they're fumbling and they're irresponsible, and the Raiders make them, made them even look worse, gave them an even bigger black eye by violating the, the rules and restrictions that they already in place. So 
you got rules which are very lackluster in its own right then you got people breaking those rules so guess what you look crazy as a whole you look crazy they made the league look crazy so they had to drop the hammer so so the las vegas raiders you get the big dummy of the week award you big dummy that's gonna wrap it up man as always we'll be back next tuesday at 10 a.m so stay, stay stay tuned for that check us out as always we appreciate everybody's listening and indulging us up to this point in the meantime in between time i'm your man coach defense step up and lock it down <laughs>